Hello and welcome to the Stepping Up Become Who You Are Meant to Be podcast. I am your host, Nikki Gingrich, and I'm so excited to have you here today. Whether this is your first time listening or you've been listening over the last few weeks, thank you so much for joining me. Two weeks ago, I want to share with you before we get started with our interview today that I created a Facebook group, a Facebook community for working moms. As a working mom myself, dealing with a lot of struggles that we deal with as a working mom from finding flexibility in your day, true mom guilt of leaving your kids, daycare responsibilities, sick days, figuring out how you're going to handle when your kids are sick and all of those struggles that you deal with. I was desperately looking for a community of women that I could reach out to that were living the same life I was living. And I truly at the time was struggling to find that community. I had found a working mom's Facebook group, but it just was not. I actually left it because it was getting way too much drama and I wasn't appreciating it. So a few weeks ago, I decided to create one. So if you are a working mom, whether you work part-time, full-time, outside the home, inside the home, I don't care who you are or what you're doing. If you're a mom and you work and you are looking for a supportive community to be a part of, please join my Facebook group. I'll put the link in the show notes. You can find us by searching Stepping Up for the Working Mom. And I'll be so excited to have you join us in the Facebook community. So thank you all so much. And now let's get into our interview for today. I had the amazing opportunity to interview Lynn Mull of Redwood Leadership. And Lynn is a milestone career coach who has... Gosh, I wish I would have, I wish she would have been doing this five years ago when I was dealing with after having my first son and, and really going through my first pivot and really first big shift in my career. And we had an amazing conversation. So if you are a working mom or you are somebody who's working and you are dealing with kind of a pivot point in your life where things are about to shift and you're not really sure where you're going and what you should do listen to this conversation. Lynn and I talk about so many things. We talk about those pivots. We talk about how Lynn is a recovering shoulder. You know, we all do that where you're, I should do this. I should do that. And we talk about your core values and how your career and your core values really need to work together and also how to combat burnout and how to create boundaries so that you can avoid burnout. We talk about so many different things and enjoy the conversation. Enjoy what Lynn has to say and here we go. Hi, Lynn. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Thanks so much for having me, Nikki. I'm excited to be here. Of course. So let's just jump right in, get a quick start and tell us a little bit about who you are, which is such a loaded question and what you do. So go ahead. I'm going to shoot it over to you. I'm Lynn Mull, and I am a milestone career coach. I launched Redwood Leadership about two years ago after almost 20 years in corporate America. I am the mother of two little girls, three and five, and have lived all over the country, but spent a lot of time on the West Coast in San Francisco and in New York City. And now I live in Pennsylvania back in my hometown. Awesome. Well, we're so excited to have you here and, you know, going from 20 years in corporate America to now having your own business, kind of tell us a little bit about what, what your business is. What, what is Redwood Leadership? 
Absolutely. So I focus on helping women and some men too pivot in their careers. I think that there's usually, when the reason I call it milestones is because there's usually a life event like a marriage or the birth of a child or frankly getting laid off or getting a promotion that causes people to pause and think about what am I doing in my career. So I focus in on career changes, whether that's lateral, a promotion, changing industries, or if you have an itch like I did to start your own business, I think it's important to really think about what do you want to do. And of course, the milestones are always around big birthdays. So I have helped a lot of people think about, okay, I'm turning 40, I'm turning 30. What do I want to do? What is my purpose? Explain. So I love the word pivots because I feel like, you know, I've been graduated college 12 years ago, but I feel like I've had a bunch of pivots and they do all come at these, these times in your life cycle of mine was when I had kids, that was a huge pivot point for me. It was when I had my first son and then I had another pivot when I had my second son and um, hopefully settling in for a little longer period this time. But um, just kind of explain to us a little bit about what those pivots look like. Cause I think for everybody, like you said, it's a little different, whether it's um, a promotion or just a job change, or you decide to change careers altogether. So just explain a little bit about that, that word pivot and kind of what it can look like for people. I think pivot can mean something that happens in a really big way. So you have uh, the loss of someone in your life that usually triggers a, a point when you're starting to question, what am I doing? And oftentimes people go through the motions. And as we come to the end of 2018, I look back and think, wow, there's so few weeks left in the year and years really start to fly by as we graduate from college. So I think sometimes they also pivots can happen almost like little pebbles and the ripples are small. And then one day you're like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And you wake up and think, I really intended my career to be something different and something's not clicking. I've made it work up until this point. And those little ripple effects create a pause. And it's often in the form of a question or a doubt that sits in your mind and you think, what should I be doing with my career? So a pivot really is a point where there's a fork in the road of some sort, but it comes from some sort of moment that causes you to question, what am I up to and what should I be doing? Yeah. And what do you think it's like for, for women, especially to have that question of what am I supposed to do? Because it is, it is very counterculture of we go to school, we study a certain subject and we're, is, you know, the intention is we then work in that said subject or whatever we studied for the rest of our lives. And then all of a sudden, no matter what age you're at, I just spoke to a woman the other day who was burnt out at the age of 27. She said, I was burnt out. I didn't want to do it anymore and completely shifted her life. And um, how do you kind of see that? Because I think for many people, it is that counterculture of, you know, I'm 30, I'm in my mid thirties. I want to change my career. Can I, can I actually do that? And how do we make that happen? Or can I ask for more or want to do something differently? You know, I think we ask ourselves that question. So how do we, how do we lean into that question and then really not just kind of ignore it, but actually know that there's a solution to it? You know, it's, it's one of my favorite topics because I'm a recovering shoulder. I should do this. <laughs> I should take a job in finance. I should work in a big city. I should go to this conference. 
And really a lot of women put everyone first. And we have this internal voice that says, I have to, this is so important. And I think we allow other people to decide what we should be doing. And that, that other people could be your spouse, your partner, your friend group, and it could be societal, uh, where you went to college, East Coast, West Coast traditions. I think it's important for women to pause and say, okay, I recognize that something's not fitting anymore and I want to take some more control. What I recommend is starting with your values. So people will say to me, oh, I know my values. I, you know, this seems like a very basic exercise, but I find when people get to the point where they hit that wall of, I can't do this anymore to whatever degree, it's because something in your career is stepping on your values. Mm. And I can give you an example. I was in a role recently where one of my last roles at the bank I was at was really, my calendar was being micromanaged. Uh, It was so completely full. There was really no limit to what they were doing with my time. And I couldn't even think during the day because it was so busy and other people had control. And one of my values is autonomy. And I mean autonomy in my calendar. I mean it in my finances, but I could not take that job anymore because I had no control over my week. And that's just one small example, but Focusing in on three to five core values can help you see if where you're at really does need to change. And then if you're looking for a new job, what kind of characteristics are very important to you? And what, what would you say is the kind of, how do they, we find our core values? I think that's like, you, you said it in there where you're like, oh, values, I know what I value but right. do you really know what you value? So what is the question maybe we can ask ourselves to really dive in and say, well, yeah, these are, this is what I'm valuing and this is what I value and I need to figure out how to do, a, do work that coincides with my values, aligns with my values. And it won't be perfect. Yeah. So not every job is going to be a five, five core values. It won't be five for five, usually. I mean, if you're really lucky, they will. Or at some points in, in the life cycle of a, of a job, they will. I think it can be a fun exercise. And I believe that values, core values are like snowflakes. They're individual to every person. And the meaning behind words, you're really creating a word or a word phrase around what's most important to you. So when I say family, I mean my core four. So my two girls, my husband and I. So for some people, family might mean their 20 cousins and their aunts and uncles too. And that's okay. I also attach a couple of little tiny phrases. So for me, it's family traditions. I love to have the routine of a year. I love to have certain July 4th traditions, for example. And these are my core values. So that family tradition is most important. So if someone were to send me on a work trip that hit on July 4th, that would not hit my values. And I probably couldn't take that job or uh, that interrupted every single plan we had as a family. And that might be an extreme example or a silly example, but another one of my core values is change of scenery. Mm-hmm. And I'm giving you my examples, but you really just want to, you can Google values and there's a gentleman who has lists of hundreds and you can pluck those words out. And you at first might have a list of 30. You really want to focus in on three to five. I joke that you should want to tattoo those five on your body. And I have them right here. I have them on a little post-it note on my desk. So I don't forget. And I can always be reminded as things start to shift in my week, my day, my year, what am I really after? And it helps you 
say yes to the right job when you know your core values. Yeah. I love that. And I know one of mine, when I was deciding to leave work, it was, I just want to pick my kids up from school. Mm. I can't, you know, I want to pick them up, not from extended care. I want to pick them up at 3 PM when their school day is over. And it was something that I was very much harping on and didn't quite realize like, that's what a very important value to me. That's, that's it. I just want to be able to at three o'clock pick them up at the end of the day. Like that was it, you know, and it seems so simple, but yet it's so hard. It's, you know, it's almost like I had to put words to it and be like, this is all I want to do. I don't know why I can't explain it, but that's all I want to do is pick them up at three o'clock in the afternoon when their day is over. You know, I love that that you mentioned that. So there's um, research that says if you put words to your values or start to focus, whether it's a goal or a value that your brain deciphers things differently when you actually write it and your eyes are watching you write. Yeah. So I recommend writing them down multiple times. Mm -hmm. Typing will do, but it's not as great. So I have a couple of journals. I keep the front couple of pages just for my values. And I even have values for my job. So what are the Redwood leadership values? I want to coach people authentically. I want them to be ready and I call it poised. I want to have casual conversations and not sound like a recruiter from Wall Street. (laughs) And the other piece is leadership. I think women have so much ability to lead and lead from being done at 245. I think they have the ability to lead from their homes, from part-time, from full-time, whatever you want to design, I believe it's there. And when you start with your core values, it's a fantastic jumping point. I also get a lot of questions around, do they change? And I do find that your values change at those pivot points or those milestone points. So what was important for me at 25 was having a great view out of an apartment, right? Living in the right place and being able to have enough money to travel. That's not really translating to me being in my 40s, but that's okay. It's, it's all about maybe it was self-care carries through, but the way I do it is different. Yeah, and I love that. So talk a little bit about, I know um, we had mentioned some things kind of around, and, and it came up, I asked this because I uh, have a Facebook group of working moms, and the question kind of came up of around burnout, around burnout in the workplace. So I don't know if you can kind of touch a little bit on, and I I think it also ties in with values of that burnout in the workplace and noticing when it's happening, or maybe it's time to make that pivot. So what does kind of burnout mean for you when it comes to, to working and career and job? It's hard in 2018, 2019, the way things are going busy has become a badge of honor. And when your superiors or the company culture is such that go, go, go. And we're on email all the time. We all have access to everything. And it's easy to let that take over and you never give your brain a rest. You never give your body a rest. And it's really becoming an epidemic, especially in the U S one thing I really recommend is taking pause. So for those in HR who might be listening to this, you know, you might not like my advice, but take a sick day. And take a sick day for yourself, whether it's leaving, leave your house, go to a coffee shop, go to a yoga class, do what you want to do in the morning, clear, clear out, and then write down the areas that are causing the most burnout. So perhaps it is a travel schedule, perhaps it is a routine, 
or the fact that you are eating lunch while you're on a conference call every single day. And when you find out what those biggest issues are, what's hard to do for a lot of people, but really critical is to create boundaries. So when you line up, if you imagine a couple of columns on a paper, you write down your three to five values, and then you write what's working and what's not working in your day-to-day, your week-to-week, then start to think about what small boundaries could I create in my day to give me a little bit of space? Because it's very rare that people can take a huge leap and give notice and quit, right? There's, there's a long line to finding that next career. It's about on average eight months to find a, a new job. Yeah. And we have to think about how we can create the space and you're not going to present yourself well to your next employer or your clients, your potential clients, if you're exhausted. One example of a boundary is to think about how you can block your calendar. I know it seems ridiculous, but I have told individuals that I work with, I work so well in the morning and I'm going to block two hours twice a week to work on these presentations. And you know what? They respected it because I alerted them. It wasn't a surprise. It's about communicating. It's also about leaving your desk and leaving your phone at your desk and taking a walk. Find a friend, find an accountability partner and and get up and go. There are other individuals who are chatting, who are water cooler gossiping, who are leaving to run errands. And you should feel like you can too. So give yourself that permission to create boundaries. And I will tell you, I can, I can tell some of your audiences, like, I just can't, I just can't do it. My boss is right there. On one extreme client that I worked with this year, I, I asked her if she could hide in the women's restroom for 15 minutes. And that you know, she's in a terrible environment and a terrible culture, but some of your listeners might be too. And you have to create that space for yourself in the short term and long term, you can work on those longer solutions. It's amazing to think that, you know, hiding out for the bathroom in 15 minutes, but it is, you're like, I just need to breathe. I need nobody to talk to me. I want to shut my door, but I don't want to shut my door because then people will think I'm, you know, I had that. So where my office was in my former job was I was, you know, at the front when people walked in the front door, it was our, you know, our receptionist, our admin assistant. And then it was my de- my office, which for the position I had, I loved because I could see people coming in and there might've been people I wanted to talk to, but at times I shut the door and it's like, oh, now I'm being rude because I shut my door. But at the same time, I'm like, I've got to sit down and I need like an uninterrupted hour, you know, to do this work or to put a note on your door and be like, hey, I'm working or I'm on a conference call. Like, it's just, it sounds like these simple, easy things, but they can be really hard to do, but they do make a difference. They can make a huge difference. And I find that taking a little step is still taking a step towards self-care and, and management. I will tell you from example that last fall, actually, I was burning out and running around traveling too much. And I ended up saying yes to way too many things and ended up with pneumonia. So as, as a mom, you know, having pneumonia and being physically unable to move for 10 days, your body will eventually break down. So you can either proactively work on the burnout and give yourself some boundaries. What are you saying yes to? What are you saying no to? 
in even little ways. My other favorite example is we had uh, instant message. It was branded something different, but essentially instant message where people were constantly pinging me during meetings that I was running. It's very distracting and everyone's on it. There was a lot of peer pressure to be on it. And finally, I just stopped turning it on. And I know email might be too slow for people, but I couldn't mentally keep up. I was making so many mistakes. People couldn't tell what I was talking about in meetings. So for those people who are constantly being berated, it's a great solution to find those ways. Or maybe you turn it off only in the afternoon and you leave your mornings for yourself. But there are ways to carve out time. And even if it's that 15 minutes, I I recommend it. And even if it's not every day, even two days a week, you'll feel less of that burnout. Yeah. It's amazing. I just was listening to... um... Or read something, I forget how it came into my purview, but um, on context switching hmm. of this constant, like, oh, I can give 50% of my time to these two tasks. Well, no, actually, there's that context switching where if you're still, if you're doing two things at once, you're actually doing 40% to each right. one because 20% is just given to the, the act of switching, you know, just the act of mentally taking your brain from one activity to another. So it's, having the email up and getting pinged and you're like, Oh, I was in the middle of writing this thing. And now I got this email, but I'm going to respond. And then I'll go back to this thing. You've now lost, forget what, you know, I think it was like 20% for two things. And then it just kind of goes down and down and down the more things you're doing at one time. And, and um, the same notion that busyness is a badge of honor as is multitasking. I'm doing this and I'm reading this and I'm doing the dishes all at the same time. You're like, no, (laughs) something is getting lost in translation. It's not all getting done at one time. It is not all getting done at one time. I think they say it takes you uh, seven minutes to recover from every email that you look at and every, it's making me think of, you know, bobbing or your head spinning as you're looking at a tennis game, right? It takes you that time to recover. So you think you're being efficient and time blocking is a great way. So when I'm working with clients to figure out how to find a new job and they say, I have no time, Lynn, I, I can't. You can create the time, 15 minutes on LinkedIn, sending a few cold emails, I call them, or emails, or reaching out to that colleague that you worked with 10 years ago. You can do it in 15 minutes and you can feel that sense of accomplishment. And oftentimes people think, oh, I'm going to get all these responses all at once from people. So I don't want to spend an hour working on my career a day. Well, it takes time. And you'll see you almost want to pepper in those moments so that you get the responses that you need. But if you don't allow yourself even 15 minutes to focus on yourself, you'll be in that job next year and you'll probably be in it the year after. And you might have a health scare or be unable to reach some of your goals, like finding your significant other or having a baby. It all starts to weave in together. And more than anyone, you and I were emailing about this, but women really embody all of these things, like we take on so much and then we're the ones who really feel it. Like we can't always power through the way the men can. Yeah. And even like you said, those physical symptoms, you know, you got pneumonia, your body was like, Hey, guess what? You're working too much and you're tired and I'm going to shut down for you because you're not doing it. So I'm going to physically tell you that you can't move for 10 days, but now you can't do the other things that you want to do, you know, be with your kids or, you know, you're literally hauled up in bed and you don't want it. Nobody wants to be around you. So our bodies, you know, physically react. Like I was under so much stress and stress in my job where my body, my, my digestion was shutting down. Like my body was like, 
that's where all my stress was being held. And, you know, I'm starting to, you know, I can, I'm a completely different person than I was a year ago, you know, but it's those physical symptoms of if we're not listening, our body's trying to tell us something that, you know, something's not right. Something is out of alignment and you need to, we need to figure it out and change it. You definitely, even in those, if we just use 15 minutes as a marker for those trying to start out and focus on themselves, if you just pause, if you don't even have an agenda, but just to pause and listen to where the stress is in your body, you'll be so much further ahead of the game and you'll be able to be there for other people in a better way. You're, you're really no good at 501 when you walk to your, into your kids if you are so stressed and your body hurts and you're having those digestive issues or you're, you're grumpy because you haven't even eaten uh, all day because you've been back to back, you are going to be so much more available for yourself and, and your family. Yeah. So what would you say? So I know you had talked about it, but this, and I think this leads into it where you talk about rituals and taking those pauses. So Talk to us a little bit about your rituals, kind of what you do, and then what you might, you know, those, what you might do with those pause moments. And I think you kind of started the conversation. So I love structure. Structure is one of my values for both Redwood leadership. I think people need steps to walk through. Structure is part of my, my core values. I love having a process. So for me, this is what works. And, um, you know, you probably have other ones. So I set my alarm every day to get up between an hour and 45 minutes before my kids. It's not always the easiest thing to do, but that is my space for my ritual. Yeah. When I wake up, my task list just flies through my brain and I'm really trying to quiet that. So my first ritual is to have a cup of coffee by myself when it's hot and really feeling that mug and you might say that's sort of ridiculous. I drink coffee every day, but, or I have a cup of tea, but to really feel and smell and drink in and to notice and to just appreciate. The other thing I've started to do is wash my face with intention. And it's really feeling my bone structure and feeling like, okay, today's a good day. And taking that pause you almost are creating a massage moment in, of calm to start your day rather than the 200 things on my mental to-do list, whether it's the kids or work or the husband or the dog, the list goes on and on. Another piece that I've started to do is carry around mementos or stones or crystals. So this is one that I picked up in Nantucket. It says relax on it. And I remember that I got it in Nantucket when I was on this fantastic vacation and I had taken my husband there for the first time with a couple of other friends. And sometimes I throw it in my purse. So if I'm going to have a crazy day or right now it's, um, this week has been a little off. I've had two six, sick kids and a full calendar. So I put it on my desk saying, just remember, yeah. just remember to chill out and it, so it might be something you carry. It might be a bracelet you wear. So rituals doesn't have to be taking a whole afternoon off and going to the spa. It can be these little moments that uh, I was just reading this book called The Atomic Habit. And he talks about ritual stacking Ooh. where one ritual, so one small ritual can lead to another. So an example of that for me was this year when I started setting the alarm earlier for myself, I was just having the coffee and washing my face and playing with my phone, if I'm being really honest, yeah. scrolling Instagram. 
And now three days a week, I'm doing guided meditations on an app. So I've stacked my rituals to say, oh, when I wake up, I feel calm. I want to wake up and start my day towards my goals. How am I going to do that? Oh, and there's so many things online now that give working moms and women out there. You don't even have to leave your house. You can create those rituals inside. I love that. And I, I do this. I'm up in the morning before the kids are most days, not all days, but I think going from working full time to staying home, I had to readjust my rituals. Mm. Yes. That's a good point. Readjust all the time. Oh my gosh. I was like, I, what I was doing before when I was going to work wasn't serving me when I was working from home. So now that I'm, I, you know, I'm still in the process of figuring out exactly what it looks like, but I haven't quite given it up yet, you know, but it is that waking up in the morning. I might have to, uh, go with your face massage though. I might have to try that one. I was like, that might be kind of nice. It's really like a two minute <laughs> thing. You're going to wash your face anyway. I know. Um, it's that taking that moment to notice and appreciate and be like, I am going to kick some butt today. You can tell I could talk about this for hours. I love it. And you know, today we're filming, we're recording this on a full moon day. Yeah. Some people do full moon rituals. That's not something that resonates with me. So I end up really looking at the month end. I look at the month end because it's like, what have I accomplished? And I love, I've always been the kid who, who wants the grades and the trophy. I want that sense of accomplishment. So for me, it's like, okay, I look back at my to-do list, which I always keep at the back of a note, a notebook, by the way, always keep my to-do list there so that my goals are easy to flip to. They're not lost in the middle of my journals or my notebooks, but I think it's important to create something that works for you. So if you don't want to do a moon ritual or you don't want to hold a crystal, maybe it's a necklace that someone gave you that reminds me of your family and why you're getting up every morning. Or maybe it's um, instead, maybe it's going to a group event or a meetup or a book club every month. It doesn't have to be every day. You can make it work for you. And I think that's awesome. So I have my, you talked about Nantucket. So my husband and I went to, I don't know if you can see it, but Colorado. So I have my tea and my Estes Park mug because, you know, one of our goals is one day have a home out there and to have cabins out there, you know? So this is my constant. It's not, that's not always on my mind when I look at it, but there's a lot of things that go along with that. And not every day I drink out of that, but when I do, it's like, oh, you know, it just kind of, brings you back there. And also that reminder of, of the goals. I think that's awesome. There's a huge linkage between the rituals and goals. We spend so much time building these huge traditions around the holidays or birthdays, but we forget that we can create these same traditions in our daily lives that can help lead a, lead to a goal. So often a holiday tradition is about, so Halloween or Thanksgiving is about getting people together, having fun, having laughs, And really the core value of that holiday is family, love, sharing. So what are you creating for yourself? So you could call it a ritual, you could call it a tradition, but my daily tradition, you know, meditating or, um, and I'm not doing all the, you know, I'm not spending days at a silent retreat. It's all 10 to 15 minutes because that's, that's reality. That's my reality. And I also cut myself a break. So today we're dealing with the wrath of two sick kids. They're still not sleeping great. I didn't get up early either and I didn't have time to meditate. And you know what? Maybe tomorrow I will. And that's all okay. I think we have to cut ourselves 
I'm not into the, you have to work out seven days a week. I'm not into, you have to do everything every day. That's just adding to our should list. Yes, I agree. And I think it's the same notion of listening to your body. So I did the same thing where I did not, my husband's away this week. So I didn't get up early. I was up with, and I was like, it's not worth it. I'm not going to set the alarm. I knew we'd get up early enough. The dog woke me up at the perfect time today. So, you know. (laughs) like, oh, I was kind of mad when she woke me up, but it worked out because I was just like, I'm not going to set the alarm. It's not worth it for me to, I have to meditate every single day for 15 minutes. Well, I try to, you know, and most days I do, but if I don't, it it is what it is. Maybe I'll do something later in the day. I don't know, but I agree. You have to, you know, if I were to try to get up at five o'clock today, I probably would be exhausted. Right. It doesn't work every day. And I like your idea of how you had to negotiate with yourself. What works now that I'm at home more? What works now that I have a home office? It is about readjusting. It was readjusting when we had a a child in kindergarten and the daily routines. And as they're older and doing more things, my kids are now part of our rituals, our weekly rituals, and they help create it, which is really fun. And it also helps you remember why you're doing things. You know, it's like, oh, we did this adventure together, or we went on this hike together. And that brings back memories for them that helps create those just builds on those values. Yeah. So you can incorporate your family, your spouse, your friends, even. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Cause you, how, now how old did you said your girls are three and five? Yeah. Three and five kindergarten so my, and preschool. Yeah. Mine are the exact same ages, but it's funny when they remember, do you remember they drive by something? Do you remember when we were there? And I'm like, how do you remember yes. that? You know? And but it's neat how they, they, they have their own little memories and you're like, oh, they do remember that. Or do you remember when, I don't know, my three-year-old woke up today. He's like, do you remember when you found, that night you found my puppy? And I'm like, yeah, that was last night. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think they have their own little, like he goes to bed with the same three stuffed animals every single night. And they have, how they go to bed every night is pretty much exactly the same. And if it is not, they are, they are thrown off, you know, they're off a little and you have to kind of be like, it's okay. We're going to switch it up a little bit, but without even noticing it, they have their own rituals and their own little traditions that they rely on you to do, you know, but you and I helped create those for our kids. And it's almost like you now have to self-regulate on adding them back for yourself or having that accountability partner. We, we do such a good job monitoring and helping our kids through it, but then we forget about ourselves. Yes. (laughs) It's like I make sure I read to my kids every night, but am I reading every night? Am I taking in new information? Not all the time. No. But that's a habit that we've created with them of we read books every single night. And I love that. Like I was like, wow, I can't believe we actually like we said we were gonna do that when our oldest was an infant and it actually worked. (laughs) Right. And you're not putting the pressure on yourself probably to read a Harry Potter every night. It's like five, six pages and you move on. I think sometimes we put so much pressure, like, oh, this has to be perfect, or this email has to be perfect, yeah. or I, I can't reach out. I haven't talked to them in forever. Like as women, especially, we put so much pressure. And really, if you just think about it as those five pages or you know, doing yeah. little tiny bits, you really start to hit to hit your goals. I think it's awesome. And you said it, it was just, you know, it, it's the little pebbles. It's the little pebbles and then the what comes out from there and then um, the stacking. And then someone else had explained it, um, before to me, but she's like, it's like when you have a puppy, 
you all of a sudden have this puppy and then you turn around five months later and you're like, when did you become this big dog? But you're watching the whole time. They're making this, this little bit of growth, but you don't even see it happening. And then you just have to do that. We have to do that for ourselves and realize that five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes is having a cup of coffee alone by ourselves is the beginning. It, you know, we don't have to create this hour long routine. It can be 10 minutes in the morning and that's it three days a week, you know? Exactly. And noticing how you feel. And if that doesn't work for you and something's better at night or it doesn't work, you need an anchor. So usually time is an anchor. So time of day or day of the week or something that allows you to, you know, the anchor of a, of a, you know, Thanksgiving always being on a Thursday in November is, is an extreme example, but it's that same thing. You need to have some, um, trigger almost that allows you to create the, the space for the goal. So one thing that I also do, and I talked about writing down values, but I wrote down all of the things that I felt were huge, huge reaches, huge stretches for me. So I like to just go really big and vision and write it down, like allow yourself in those ritual moments to think about that dream house in Colorado or that next big thing. And writing it down, I looked back, it's the year is not over and I've hit 75% of the things I wrote down that I thought were stretches. Yeah. I'm just claiming it. Just like, I really want to be on a podcast and here I am. <laughs> or, um, you know, it doesn't always have to be about work. I think that's one other piece that yeah. we're talking about not that explicitly, but I believe that your work should integrate into your life and not the other way around. And even in claiming that as a working mom or a, a woman, you take that power, you take the yeah. choice. So think about how it really can be and allow yourself to want that. Allow yourself. I have clients who are single and they say, well, I'm always sent, I'm always sent on the on the trip, or I'm always asked to work late, but you have a life too, no matter what stage you're at, or if your kids are already in college and you have quote unquote more capacity, but it might not be where you want to spend your time. So I believe that when you write it down and you dream for that job, if you write those criteria down and they align, this can all, this can all come true and you support it with your values. It's like you said, it's those little steps. It's like that time elapse it's amazing what you can accomplish. That's awesome. And I do, I, that's one of the things I started doing this year was just writing down my, and I had never done that before. Like my big vision, I'm like, I write it down. And every day, most days, not every day, I try to do it every day. Just write down like my three big things or, you know, the, the big things that I want by the end of the year. And it's like, this is, you know, and eventually just comes into my subconscious and I, you know, I start to go, I know this will happen. Right. I know that these are going to happen and you know, what is it? We underestimate what we can do. We overestimate what we can do in a day, but we underestimate what we can do in a year. That's beautiful. Yeah. I look, so I don't write, rewrite every day. I look every day. Yeah. Yeah. I'm for like, me, oh, it's writing. I can cross yeah. that one off. I did that. <laughs> <laughs> and we always love a good crossing, you know, crossing stuff off. That's always a good thing. <laughs> I know. I love done. it. What's next? What's the next, you know, celebrate what you did and, you know, just keep thinking. I love it. Well, I feel like I could talk to you forever, Lynn. This has been 
an incredible conversation. So tell us what you are looking forward to right now. Like what's exciting you? What are you working on that you want to share? So I am working on a couple of online courses and I've launched my first one. So there will be more to follow, but the first one is a four module series that you can get on teachable.com under Redwood leadership or on my website, redwoodleadership.com under courses. And it's around a career shift at 40. I know a lot of people can't get to a workshop or work with me one-on-one for a couple of reasons. So I'm creating content that they're short videos and then there's a little journal prompt at the end. So I'm really excited about those. My next one is going to be called shift or stay. Not everyone needs to leave their job. You just might need to tweak it. So I help talk about that. And if you are going to leave, I give you ideas on resigning in the right way, getting ready for your next opportunity. And then the other one that will launch next year is money all the things about money and career. So we're going to get into that. But I'm just really excited to think about what my goals are and how I can serve my clients better. We're doing a a lot of local workshops, but there's a couple of great things coming up and you can find all of that on redwoodleadership.com events or follow me on Instagram too. I, I create little bios of women who have pivoted before me And I've got a couple of, of great, just a great examples of how it can be done and how it's being done every day around you. I love it. That's awesome. I love the, um, the shifter stay. I feel like a lot of the women that I talk to, they're kind of like, I'm so unhappy, but I don't know what to do. Like you kind of in that stuck, which is where I was, you know, you're kind of stuck of like, I need to do something different, but I don't know what to do. You know, you kind of feel like you're kind of in between, you're balancing in between the two. So I'm very excited for you. That all sounds really, really awesome. And I will link everything up in the show notes um, for everybody so that you can easily find Lynn and all of her awesome stuff. So one final question would be, so what books or podcasts or kind of resources that have inspired you or that you would recommend for any woman who's, you know, career shifting or pivoting or just kind of feeling in this stuck place might you recommend for them? Absolutely. And I have a bookshelf on my website with all my favorites, but one book that if people have not read, it doesn't matter how old you are, what you're up to, if you're happy in your job, if you're not, I think everyone should read You Are a Badass by Jen Shero. It's just a good reminder of the, you can, you will. And it's really written in a light, casual way. I've read it many times and I am a big believer in my friends over at rock your bliss. I'm attending a retreat with them in 2019. They have some great, great content, great podcasts and Mary Beth and Jackie are fantastic. That's awesome. I love you're a badass. So <laughs> I feel like it's what I need to go back and reread because it's just, it was- and it's a fun title. You got to browse yeah. through it. I mean, it's so good. So, well, Lynn, thank you so much. I just want to make sure there was, think that was it, but thank you so much for coming on and for joining us. I think you shared some really, really awesome information that will be valuable to so many people that are listening. So thank you so much. Thanks so much, Nikki. Talk to you soon. 
Thank you so much for listening to the conversation that Lynn and I had. I hope you got as much value out of it as I did while we were having it. And I hope this inspires you to take action no matter what that is, whether you decide what your core values are and you start taking step to, steps to do that, whether you believe you're in a state of burnout and you start creating those boundaries for yourself to avoid that burnout and to get out of it, or if there are habits and rituals that you are ready to start taking on today, whether it's drinking that big cup of coffee in silence in the morning or maybe hiding out in the bathroom at work for a few minutes to get some peace and quiet. Whatever that is, I hope you've been inspired today by Lynn. If you'd like to contact her, see what she has coming up next, follow her. All of her links are in the show notes. And thank you again for joining me. And just one last reminder for the event coming up on November 17th, the Stepping Up, Become Who You Are Meant to Be live event is happening. And as this recording goes out, it's I believe about 11 days away from the event. So come and join us. It's going to be incredible and amazing. And I'm so excited to have you there. Register today. Get more information at NikkiGingrich.com slash stepping up. Aaron Miller, Michaela Woodbridge Parlett are all going to be delivering some amazing information and you're going to want to be there live to catch the energy in the room. And as Michaela said in our live video we did on Facebook, that nothing, that the most amazing thing happens when you are able to connect with somebody heart to heart in person, creating those connections. So join us, come on out. It's coming up quickly and I can't wait to see you there. Thank you again for joining me for the podcast and until next time.